you seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. All right, Sarah, thanks so much. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner, front and center this hour. The AI wars, Alphabet firing its latest salvo today. That stock surging as we come on the air. We'll discuss and debate with the investment committee what all of it means to your money. Joining me for the hour, Bryn Talkington, Josh Brown, Bill Baruch. Let's go to the markets. We are green across the board. Dow's having a nice bounce today of some 53 points. It is the NASDAQ where the story is today, though, one and a quarter percent. You heard Sarah talking about that. 412, the yield on the 10-year note. But, Josh, I turn to you first. Uh, Alphabet's our chart of the day because it it has its Gemini. Okay, so this competition with Microsoft is ramping up. Barron's today says, quote, Google got its AI launch right this time. This is your stock. Yeah. This is your bet. Yo, how mad is Brad today? Should I text Brad on the break? Make sure he was watching this. Gershner, now, you're speaking. I, so up, I'm not, I, I, it's not a victory lap. I, I just have always believed that first is not the thing with AI because it never has been with any previous technological revolution. Being for, ironically, we're like saying, "Oh, Google's late." Blah blah blah. Google came like six years late to the search engine. <laughs> uh, party. Let's let's all remember that uh, Google came public in 2004. We had a whole wave of quote unquote dominant uh, search engines that came and went before they even got onto the runway. So it was way too early to declare that Alphabet's uh, offering an AI was going to be DOA. One of the things I've been saying since the spring, there is no future of computing that Google doesn't play a pivotal role in. And by the way, not only are they not late to AI, they actually were before Microsoft in building it internally. They just went slower. Deep Brain, I mean, we're talking about 10 year efforts in AI in, internally. Deep Google, Mind. Uh, Deep Mind, uh, Google Brain. They, they've had AI in the works. So now they, they got the memo, they're catching up. You can see in the stock price, people like the rollout. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean they're going to dominate the business the way they've dominated search. Brad, Brad Gerstner is right about that. I just don't think that the domination is the important thing to investors right now. So this is going to run on everything. I'm speaking of Gemini, of course. Bill, you own the stock, too. It's going to run on everything from data centers to mobile. Reiterated buy today. Bank of America reiterated overweight. J.P. Morgan reiterated overweight at KeyBank. Glowing commentary from the analyst community today as a result of all this. And the stock, as we said, is having its best percentage gain since the summer. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, that thing, uh, the really interesting thing here is a 20 multiple for this name because of concern about search. And, and I think this could really reaffirm search. Because search is going to be AI driven. I've seen some of this Gemini stuff in work. I mean, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. And, um, I, and for us, we weight Alphabet more than Microsoft in our portfolio. Ultimately, because we thought that the, the AI that Alphabet could provide or could hit on here was underappreciated. And now we're seeing it. Yeah. Bryn, you don't own um, I don't you don't own either of these stocks, do you? Oh, you own Microsoft. You own Microsoft. So, yeah, I mean, you have a dog sure. in the fight. Um, but, but did Alf, do you feel like Alphabet has closed a little bit of the gap, whether it was perceived or otherwise? 
they closed like a sentiment gap, right? So we all saw Gemini can say, yeah, an orange is healthier than a cookie. And so we all need to see the tangibles that, of what they're doing at Deep Minds, which we, Josh is so spot on. You know, Deep Minds is an, is an incredible company they bought, Google bought a long time ago. I think ultimately it's like there's going to be multiple winners. And this year is going to remind everybody this was the year of the return of the mega caps. And when you look forward to 2024, what sector is supposed to have the highest growth? Technology. And so I think that although we've had a wonderful year, the last two years, I don't think Google's above that two-year high, only Microsoft and Apple. So it'll be interesting to see if we can see continued multiple expansion and move past that two-year high that most of these names have not breached outside of Microsoft and Apple. It's crazy when you look at the... I know that we all know that Megacap has led, and to the degree which it has, it's nonetheless crazy when you look at the 12-month returns for, for these stocks that Microsoft's up 50%. Now, I know the stocks got hammered a lot in 2022. That Alphabet's up 45%. That Amazon's up 66%. AMD's up 78%. Um, and now you've got this repeated news. It's no surprise, Bill, why AI continues to dominate the investor conversation, why it remains among the best idea stocks from investors, and whether they continue to lean in relative to everything else, which there are a lot of calls for catch-up trades, this, that, and the other, but I don't know, that's where the action is. Yeah, I think, I mean, a lot of t rotation talk earlier this, earlier this week and last week as we saw the Dow continue to move out, I, I think that's premature. And I, I really think that the leadership is going to be maintained here in tech as the year you know, finishes out. Now, when we do look to next year, I, I believe, yes, healthcare and banks, they could really start to perform a little better, could start to see a little more cyclical. But this AI revolution that's been taking place, it's a narrative that we keep seeing headline after headline that reinvigorates a dead tape. Whether, whether you know, we're playing this up too much or it is what it is, there, it seems to be a battle royal. Um, put, up between, AM, put up AMD, though. Between these, oh, we're going to get to that in a okay. minute. All we're right. going to get to that in a minute because that, that remains a part of the umbrella story, that's too. That's the battle royal now. And we're, we'll talk about that. Well, that's another one. Uh, maybe you need a couple of, of octagons. Um, here for you got in, you could put NVIDIA and AMD. They can square off on a co-main event yeah. With, yeah. with Microsoft and Alphabet. Because Steve Kovac, I mean, it feels to me like that's really what you have here. A battle royal between these two companies. Microsoft has had the lead and Alphabet's been not so fast. And we're going to show you, well, now they're showing. Yeah, that, that, that's exactly right, Scott. So look, uh, here's where we are now. I know Josh was kind of talking a little bit about where things are headed, but today the AI race is tightening, but Microsoft and uh, partner OpenAI is still about a year ahead of Google if you add it all up here. Google shares up today, of course, following the announcement of Gemini, that new AI model that'll eventually be part of its chatbot Bard, plus other products like search and productivity apps like Google Docs. Unclear though why shares didn't really react to the news yesterday Yesterday, but it is the optimism around Gemini today, seen as the force driving it up about five and a half percent now. But it's going to take a while for Gemini to roll out and even longer for Google to start monetizing those capabilities, especially in search, where the company has said it'll see the big benefit from generative AI. Also unclear the impact it'll have on Duet. That's the productivity assistant. It's previewing now for business customers and eventually plans to sell at the same price Microsoft's 
selling Copilot. Google execs also dodged questions about whether or not Gemini is better than OpenAI's latest model, GPT-4, but they did say it can outperform GPT-3.5. That's the free version of G- ChatGPT a lot of people are using right now. Meantime, Microsoft just plowing ahead. It's already added its OpenAI-powered Copilot across a range of products like Windows and Bing, and it's selling Copilot to business customers at a hefty price. Not to mention the benefit it's Azure Cloud gets from all those third parties tapping into OpenAI's model as well, guys. Yeah, you know, I'm looking at the, I mentioned the calls on the street today, Steve, and the kind of language that the analyst community is using today, where one is talking about Alphabet's AI capabilities, that this shows it, that this is a significant innovation, that they're showing their muscle development. All the things that theoretically were being questioned in the last 12 months or so, because it was deemed that Microsoft was the power lifter and that Alphabet was just going to get the scraps. Yeah, and that's part of it, but also what's what's true here is that uh, Google had all these capabilities and they'd been sitting on it for so long and now they're just trying to play the catch-up game. And I'll just point out that, you know, some of the stuff that we're seeing from Gemini, you can't use it yet, Scott. You know, there, it's going to be a couple more weeks or months before the most capable and uh, advanced models of Gemini are going to come out. A point to um, some skepticism also coming out. The information had an interesting report this morning, kind of uh, throwing cold water on this demo video we're showing you right now that uh, CEO Sundar Pichai uh, shared on his social media, uh, showing it, this is called multimodal, what we're looking at right now. That means uh, it can both look at images and text and voice and kind of collate all that together. Um, based on the way they showed this demo, though, the information report kind of casting some doubt. Maybe it was kind of carefully crafted to make it look more capable than it will be uh, when you actually put it into people's hands. Again, we just don't know because uh, this model hasn't come out yet. People haven't been able to really play with it. So, you know, always have a little dose of skepticism when you have a pre-recorded uh, demo like that. Uh, you, you, they could easily cut around it. If you look at their blog posts, they kind of explain how they actually got uh, Gemini to do what we saw it do. It's a little more nuanced than just uh, kind of the whiz-bang stuff uh, Pachai shared on Twitter. Yeah, I appreciate it, Steve. Thanks very much for putting all of this into perspective for us. As, as Josh, I turn back to you. I mean, look, the, the narrative is going to be until it isn't that this is Microsoft's um, lead, that they made the most significant advance. Uh, that's why there was all the hype uh, about it. And that Alphabet's still going to have to play catch-up in in some regard to Gerstner's point, which may be the overarching point of all. You know, he he gave the example of being in a room speaking to a thousand people who uses, you know, chat GPT or whatever. Everybody raises their hand. There's like scant number of of hands go up when you talk about using Alphabet. Again, Scott, if we would have done that in 1997, asked a room full of young people when they use the internet, what do they use? They all would have said AOL. I don't think that matters. I know it matters now, and I know it's the story so far. Stories change. This is what I think matters. Large language models will be ubiquitous. There will be many of them. What's really going to happen in the next phase when you talk to technologists and the people that understand how you turn a technology into an actual product, what's really going to happen is hyper-specific large language models to address certain industries. 
you're going to every industry is going to have its own champion. Now, some of these will be overarching and address all of it. Um, and, and that will be the dominance. But that's not going to be the important thing. The important thing is going to be who can get their users to interact with these models and pay for it. And Microsoft will do great. I have no doubt. But Google has 1.8 billion with a B Gmail users. That's just one part of what Google does. We won't even include um, any of the business services or the cloud service or YouTube. Put it all aside. Just Gmail alone. Imagine waking up in the morning and telling Gmail to respond to all your emails. It's literally going to do so in your voice. I know it's not today. That's where we're going. And so I think there's a lot of room for multiple platforms to make money. All right. So your highs of the day there for shares of Alphabet, as you see. And we could keep those up. Look, maybe 2024 is going to be the year then where Apple makes its big uh, splash uh, in its own right for a stock that's at $195, back above $3 trillion. Um, bill in market cap. Let's not forget about that stock because it's been an absolute beast. It just doesn't get talked about in terms of AI as much as either Alphabet or Microsoft uh, do. Yeah, talking about Apple in particular, I mean, the price that it held at 170, I think phenomenal. But the key word across Microsoft, Alphabet, as well as Apple, is ecosystem. They all have a fabulous ecosystem. And I mean, look at Microsoft, the co-pilot, 40% uh, quarter, over quarter over quarter increase. Apple's ecosystem, I mean, the services sec the services part of their business is growing and, and, and becoming a bigger piece of the pie that they have. So I, I expect uh, Apple to be setting a new record high here, I mean, as we close out the year. All right, let's do AMD, uh, because it's surging on its own uh, AI announcement. Of course, these new chips, uh, it wants to take on NVIDIA too. And that's a big part of this story, Josh Brown. You. You know, you made the case for AMD when you bought it recently, and I know you wanted to talk about it, so let's do it right here. Yeah, look, I bought a little bit of AMD. I obviously didn't buy enough. You never buy enough of the ones that run 20 30% immediately. Uh, so it's not a big position for me. I'm much bigger in uh, NVIDIA, but I want to be in both. And I talked a little bit about Lisa Sue and how aggressive uh, AMD wants to be in inference chips, uh, in, in the training chip market, they're just, they're gonna play. What they don't have that NVIDIA has is the ecosystem. They don't have the same software offering and they're not as dominant there. But they can make inroads. They don't need to get 50% of the market. This is not Coke versus Pepsi. They can get a really big chunk of the market and they do have a software platform. So some people will be standardizing on AMD's uh, uh, AI chips, it's just a fact. So how much of that is in the stock? Maybe a bunch, but not all. I still think there's room for this name to trade higher. So I'm gonna stick with both holdings. I don't see that as contradictory to believe that there's enough room for both to win. This is ripping, Bill, you own AMD yeah. as well. Then we'll get to the Nvidia side of it with Bryn. I know all three of you own the stock, but give me something on, on AMD. That stock's up near 7%. Yeah, we could have easily done it as our chart of the day, yeah. but the alphabet move is so outsized that how could you not? Yeah, I mean, they're implementing chiplet architecture, which will make their, their GPUs more scalable than NVIDIA potentially. And, and as I've pointed to before, I think that, that AMD is eating into a little bit of NVIDIA's lunch on the software side of it. NVIDIA is still number one, but but now AMD could be number three where and, and kind of just eating in there just a little bit. So I, I, I like, I, we own both. I mean, we have to, I think we have to have exposure in both of them right now. You want to hear something crazy? Mm -hmm. They're cousins. 
Do you know that? Yeah. Jensen Wang and Lisa Sue, they're both from Taiwan, and they're, like, distantly related. Well, And she's wearing leather deal. jackets now, <laughs> which I, li- I like everything that's going on in this space, I have to be honest with you. Yeah, there was a big deal um, yesterday in the interview, of course, it, that, uh, that Dr. Lisa Sue had with Christina Partzinevelos. Bryn? Yeah, I mean, first of all, it was reported that this year both Meta and Microsoft purchased around 150,000 each H100 and H8 and um, H800 chips. And so it's like Microsoft, of course, is going to partner with, with AMD. No one wants one company to have a monopoly here. And also, you know, margins do mean revert. And so I think that you have, I'm not surprised. I didn't know they were related, Josh, but not surprising because Lisa Sue and Jensen Wong are probably the two best operators um, that, that we have. But there is for sure more than room for one. And I think that you will see more big companies like the Microsofts, like the Metas, which are the two biggest buyers of NVIDIA, wanting to diversify their supply lines, not only with what they're creating, which I don't think is going to move the needle, but AMD is going to absolutely be a winner over the next few years because Jensen and Lisa have both said this is a trillion dollar data spend over the next decade. We're just in the first innings. Yeah, it's the, you know, it, this is obviously the, the rising tide that's lifting all of the AI boats. Broadcom included, by the way, which reports its own earnings in, in overtime tonight. Bill, you used to own it. You sold it. It's had a remarkable run in its own right. It's up 77% over 12 months. Yeah. I mean, we owned it. Now, the way of piecing this a portfolio together, we had two very tactical plays on during that time that run in June through July, owning Broadcom and Tesla. Those are the first two I cut. I mean, it was really, we were so bullish at the time. So, again, very tactical. I'm no, I don't dislike the company. I just can't fit into the portfolio right now. What I do like from a price perspective is it broke out of that, of that 900 mark, and now it's retesting support going into earnings. They're operating margins are they're one of the most efficiently run semiconductor companies and i think that if we look at that if they continue to confirm that i mean this this stock it's gonna be on my radar to be buying again i just gotta find a way to fit it to the portfolio you did sell marvell yeah so maybe you have some space yeah i well I, there was an ad uh a sort of a swap i think we'll cover later in the show i won't, won't say it right now but yeah marvell just it hasn't lived up to what we were hoping big move today in marvell i uh, took advantage of, of raising a little bit of cash there it was in our bottom 10 now the problem is is they connect data centers and it's not really on the GPU side. So not really benefiting as, as, as much as we would have hoped in this big AI craze. So that's that's something right there that, that I think could hold it back. It does lead to the conversation because this dominates the conversation about what these stocks are going to do in the year ahead. Will you have a similar makeup of the market move that you did this year in which the biggest stocks in the market obviously led the way? And now we're talking about catch-up trades like you've had from November until now. Savita, Subramanian over at Bank of America, Josh, says new S&P high without MAG-7 leadership, easy. 5,000 for the S&P next year. Don't need MAG-7 leadership at all. Even if they flatline, you can get pickup from everywhere else. What do you think? Listen, that would be great. I I think historically, unfortunately, any time that you've seen this big of a spread between the top five or 10 stocks and the rest of the market, the resolution has actually been a catch down. And what that means is other stocks have held up well, those big stocks have come in, and it's been in the midst of a correction. It's, it's rare that you would have this much outperformance of the best stocks, and then all of a sudden everything else comes roaring back and matches. It could happen. It doesn't never happen. It's just, it's rare. I hope she's right, though. That would be nice. Most of us on the desk on the show each week own more than just the top seven stocks. But I have to tell you, just do an eye test. You don't need stats. You don't need to give me uh, give you uh, data on internals. Look at your portfolio. 
almost everything looks amazing right now. If you just look at 90-day charts on your top 10 or 20 positions away from MAG7, you probably agree with me. That's, this is the time of year that we're in. This is what happens. The tax law selling is over. Even the dogs get a little bit of love. There's another layer of growth companies that's not MAG7. They've all had tremendous results. I'm just looking at names I'm in, like Zoom is ripping now. Um, CrowdStrike hit a new 52-week high yesterday. Mm -hmm. These are not MAG7 stocks. They're just growth stories that are working. Um, and, and in that vein, I, you know, I've, I've had the opportunity to make a couple of sells this, this uh, fall and winter. I don't know, we're going to do this one next? No, or? no okay. we'll do we'll it coming it. up. Okay. Right. But the only place I guess you wouldn't want to look at uh, for great performance, Bryn, would be energy, which you do have a lot of, and it's down again. So oil gets a day's worth of stabilization. We'll see if it amounts to anything, but we're talking yeah. 70 bucks, and it's been on a steady stream lower. Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately what happened is like today you have news more about inventory bills, but I think the narrative around China is the elephant sitting on energy prices and the data out of China continues to get weaker and weaker. So while the U.S. economy is is humming right along, that, cha that China data, which is so important to global GDP, continues to weigh on the price of oil. But ultimately, you know, ultimately, I think that early next week, Energy's really sold off. I think you're going to get, as a trade, a really good time to step in. You're already seeing it stabilizing today. So I wouldn't give up on the asset class. I definitely think it's a good trade. But until China stabilizes, I think you're going to continue to see weakness to the downside in the space. Let's just note, too, I'm looking at a high of the day for Alphabet. Let's just show intraday on the back of your guys' conversation about that. Um, almost 6.4%. NASDAQ's ripping now. It's up near 200 It's a big points. move for a multi-trillion dollar market. Yeah, we said the, the biggest, a lot of dollars. biggest percentage move in Alphabet since um, July. Of course, you know, there are a lot of bears out there still, and they're not convinced that MAG-7 is going to do as well in the new year, nor are they convinced that risk assets in general, Marco Kalanovic, like clockwork, right before our show or, or during, puts out a note, we're not positive on the performance of risky assets and the broader macro over the next 12 months. Primary reason, interest rate shock that's already happened that's going to negatively impact economic activity. Doesn't matter if there's a recession or not. Hard to see an acceleration of the economy or a lasting risk rally without a meaningful and significant reduction of interest rates. What do we, what do we think about this, Bill? Well, I mean, right now, I, 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 it's hard to say, okay, I fully disagree with him, but he's, he's, he's making a point you here. You say whatever you want. Yeah, and I, I, I'm not negative going to next year, and I, I think the growth's going to kind of steady, kind of stay steady. We're not going to, you know, just see the things fall apart. I, I, one concern I really do have is, is the rate cut of, of going into March is, is uh, the Fed watch tool in the CME group. You think that's a little aggressive by the market to think that in three meetings' time you're going to get your first cut? Yes, and, and the market could be disappointed with that. Rates, rates will rise from, from there, and I think that could be a little bit to digest. I, I, I do think the, the, you made a really good point on the tailwinds coming into the year, China reopening, but it really it wasn't much of a tailwind um, because it really kind of died off quickly. And Bryn made a point about about China as well just now. The, and I, and I, I think for energy, that, that's, that's a little concerning, but but there's other stuff. I think China, there's some import data last night for copper was, was huge. I, I think there's some stuff here that globally, the growth is going to stay very steady. And I, so I'm not negative. I don't, I don't see that being a negative point. You're indirectly teasing a new move that you made, which we're going to do in our, our following block. I see you. I see you. Josh tried to do the same thing, but we'll wait after the break. But what about this Kalanovic note? I mean, he, a year ago, he was saying the rally off the October lows is a bear market rally. Uh, avoid risk. I mean, it's... Uh, July, 
He was saying AI bubble. I mean, if you if you had followed many of of these kinds of warnings, uh, unfortunately, if you're a professional, you're trailing like big time. It's really really hard to catch up to the Nasdaq up 50 percent. It's really really hard to catch up to an S and P up mid teens percentage, almost 20 percent. Uh, if, if at the current rate of rally. So a lot of the people who you see buying these stocks now at 52-week highs, who, who do you think is chasing AMD? Who do you think is chasing Alphabet here on AI? It's the people that in July said, you know what? Yeah, it's a bubble. I, I agree. So it's it's difficult. I don't, I'm not particularly good at calling these shifts either. So no no disrespect, but I, I try I try to like understand the point the strategist is making, but then not rearrange my whole portfolio as though that's the only outcome that could possibly be true. All right. Speaking of your portfolio, um, so Josh is selling a name that's done quite well this year. He's mentioned it many times. We're going to tell you what that is after the break. Bill indirectly teased a stock that he just bought. Tell you what that is in a couple minutes when halftime returns. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one, which means we do the little things right so that we can keep our promises and you can keep yours too. That's what drives us. To learn how OD can help your business keep its promises, visit odfl.com. Old Dominion, helping the world keep promises. The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. All right, we're back. Let's go through these names now. Josh Brown, you sold AOS, yeah. AO Smith, housing play, hot water heaters and the like. Yeah, so I, I had expected AO Smith to, tra- to trade more in line with the home builders. Which this have is, ripped. Th- yeah, I mean, it's gone up, but it doesn't go up enough. It doesn't match that space. Um, so it was like an inferior way to play something that I was right about. I just expressed it wrong. Um, so the, the XHB, for example, is up 50% on the year. Well, I mean... I- let, just let's be honest. It's not like you expressed it wrong. It, the stock's up 35% year Stop to date. trying to make me feel better. It's just, I should have just, just bought a home not, builder. I mean, the home builders have been hitting all, all-time highs. I get it. But, I mean, the stock's still up 35%. Right. You know I have two weaknesses. Palio string cheese and trying to get too clever with my trades. What I should have done was bought the index of home builders, but instead I bought the the hot water uh, heaters. It's a great company. I think actually chart looks great. I think the stock could work its way higher. One of my big ideas for 2024 um, is that uh, rates are going to moderate. Mortgage rates are now crashing. They've been coming down six straight weeks. I think the deep freeze in the housing market is going to unfreeze. I want to be a player there. I have names like Zillow on my radar. This is no longer going to give me enough bounce 
if I'm right about that idea for next year. So uh, goodbye to A.O. Smith. It worked. It went up. I'm happy. It's a 52-week high right now. I just think that there are going to be better places to be if what I expect for next year plays out. I don't want to gloss over Zillow is, is high. I don't own it. I'm just right excited. No, you don't own it. I'm watching it. I, I'm looking at certain REITs. There's just, I think there's going to be a better place to, to play. Okay. So we'll watch that one. Um, that's letter Z. Bill, you bought Southern Copper Corp. We mentioned, you know, you, you indirectly mentioned that you had bought a, a copper-related thing, and that's it, SCCO. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, uh, I think, uh, the best pure play in copper. I know a lot of people look at it Freeport, but Southern Copper is, is really, I think, the best pure play in, co- in, in copper right now. One of the things that quietly has taken place over the past couple of months is the, the Chinese yuan strengthening against the dollar. It's up 3.5% against the dollar, which is a big move. And uh, China de- has been destocking commodities. I think as we turn into the, this year, we're going to see a lot of demand, a lot of new imports. And that import data, shout out to Ola Hansen of Saxo Bank. I saw it early this morning. Uh, 10% increase month over month, which is the highest in almost two years on uh, copper being imported from China. So I think this is the start of a big turn in in commodities as we look into next year. You know, the the sort of segments billed as like buys and sells, obviously, but there is news around other committee names, too. Bills to yours included Domino's. Uh, investor day yeah. today. You just bought it last week. Yeah, I mean it's performed. I mean the timing was 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 really well with that. It's performed really well. One of the things that stood out to me most is is the search analytics. And in, in, in middle of September they launched a new loyalty plan, a new loyalty program. And ever since then, Domino's has been searched. Uh, results have been increasing. On top of that, they're going to be on every single store on the Uber Eats platform. I think in the turn of the year. So that's going to be a, another tailwind to put up that there. chart. DPZ. Can we put it real quick? I was going to say you don't. You're, the weakness doesn't. Extend to the thing. Like, crust. give me like a three year or a one, like, pull it back. Not, I don't do intraday. All right, whatever. One of the best performing stocks, yeah. Let's say you knew nothing about technical analysis. What do you think happens here? 400 has been significant resistance back to last summer. It's 18 months. Every time it's gotten to this level, it's it's hit its head on that ceiling. When it punches through, and I think it's about to, what do you think happens here? This was, what was this, six, $700 stock? Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, I love that. Domino's fits within this theme of stocks we threw away because we thought they were only good for work from home. We thought they were only pandemic era. Domino's absolutely is in that category. I referenced Zoom before. That one technically is starting to set up just like Domino's. I really think there's an opportunity in a lot of these names we've thrown out that are getting this comeback here at the end of the year. We're starting to recognize that these brands mean a lot more than just, hey, I'm home. I might as well go on an app and order something. I like this DPZ call. I think it works its way higher. Well, there's no better way to feed a family of four, and especially from. Well, that's uh, not true. But. Uh, well, I mean, I think as as in, in how efficiently and timely <laughs> and any evening. <laughs> what do you, what do you, you think about that? You're going to say something like that to this guy. There's a better. There's a better way. There's a better I, way, I but you. you know what? But, but the, the, their, their target audience for, for their there's, target there's audience. There's no better way to feed a family of four at 1 a.m. after they all come home from a wedding. That's that's the that's the domino use but case it, but for a family. Efficiently, efficiently for at a low cost price point. All right. That's where they're going to accelerate. All right. The other stock in the news today, Bryn, is yours, AbbVie, uh, the second big deal in a couple of weeks. Yeah, close to $20 billion between Immunogen and Cerevel. And so this is a good example is outside of energy, healthcare as a sector has the highest free cash flow yield. And this is a perfect example. AbbVie, you know, going into these, I think had a free cash flow yield around 8%. And what are, what are they doing? They are building out their oncology and their neuroscience with these two acquisitions. I think what's most positive is making two big, two decent sized acquisitions, and really the stock is up on the week. So the market likes this. 
Abvi has come out and reaffirmed that $11 trough earnings. And so I think the market's like they are investing in their future. This helps them with their pipeline. And we'll see in the next few years if these two acquisitions were accretive to the, to, to the earnings. But I think it's very positive. The stock's been up for the week. All right. Bertha Coombs has the headlines for us. Hi, Bertha. Hi, Scott. Authorities say more than 18,000 pounds of cocaine from six separate drug smuggling seizures were offloaded in San Diego this week. The cocaine was recovered by the Coast Guard off the coast of Mexico, Central America and South America. It estimated to have a street value of nearly $240 million. U.S. Customs and Border Protection reports more than 40 tons of cocaine were seized so far in 2023. Denmark's parliament passed a law today making it illegal to burn the Koran in public places. The move is an attempt to de-escalate tensions with Muslim countries following a series of Danish protests where Islam's holy book was burned. The new law also covers other religious texts. And prosecutors are accusing a former Jacksonville Jaguars employee of stealing more than $22 million from the football franchise. Court documents allege that the employee exploited the organization's virtual credit card program and that between 2019 and 2023, the employee allegedly used the cards to purchase two vehicles, a condominium, cryptocurrency, and, of course, a designer watch. Scott? I thought you were going to say, of course, the cryptocurrency part, but (laughs) neither here nor there. Bertha, thank you very much. Appreciate that. That's Bertha Coombs coming up. Calls of the day, including top picks in financials and software. We'll do that after this quick break. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash halftime report. That is linkedin.com slash halftime report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash halftime report and get started. All right, calls of the day. First up is Goldman, named the top 2024 pick at KBW. 400 bucks, the price target above average growth uh, expected. Inexpensive balance sheet relative to the return outlook. Bryn, you used to own Goldman, but you sold it, I don't know, what, six weeks ago? Yeah, that's about right. I mean, listen, this has been a year of transition. Goldman, JP Morgan, Morgan Stanley. Are, are, are three of the best banks. If you think M&A is going to improve next year, I think Goldman's a natural, uh, a natural um, buy. I would just rather like own my Nvidia, sell calls against it, own more healthcare, some other names there. I just don't want to be in the financials. I still think the private, the private credit firms are doing all of the things the banks used to do, and that the banks in general, outside of M&A, are much more anesthetized and will never have that that growth that they had prior great financial crisis. We have rebound trade and financials coming up. 
I, th- I mean, if you're going to have a bubble, if you have a bubble next year, Goldman will do great. That's that's when that stock outperforms. When there's a speculative bubble, 2021 uh, is is a really great example of that. It's one of the best years ever for shareholders in Goldman. The the downside always looks like this. So you know that's the type of stock it is. If you're really really bullish about underwriting coming back and IPOs and M&A and LBOs and and all of the the acronyms, yeah, Goldman's going to work great. Um, absent that. Hey, it's a little bit of a shambles in, in wealth management right now. They're trying to get their bearings. They bought this United Capital. It was a huge blow up. Didn't work. Um, Peter Malouk stepped in to buy whatever was left of it. Uh, I don't really know what their strategy is there. They're trying to build a custodian. It's not the greatest business with free trading. So you have that. If you're not going to get a big IP, uh, investment banking boom, I don't really know what else uh, you, you'd be in the stock for. I prefer Morgan Stanley. I think they're, ki- they're, they're kicking ass in wealth management, and they're going to play in an IPO boom. So if I have to choose one or the other, I think MS over GS. JPM's the one you do own, the only one of the majors. R- way less reliant on, uh, on, on big stock market booms. Like JPM will play. They're, they're, they're number one or two in every category. They're, they're not reliant upon it for earnings growth in the way that Goldman is. Goldman's growth engine was supposed to be consumer fintech. It didn't work. They're exiting those businesses. I don't know what's behind it. I do know if we're going to do another three or 400 IPOs, Goldman's going to do really well. Are we? It's an open question to me. So I'm not sure. Bill, Adobe, a um, couple of nice calls today, reiterated by Jeffries that's ahead of earnings. The stock's had a, had a great run. They go 660 price target, also reiterated Morgan Stanley, uh, same price target. 660 bucks. Yeah. I mean, this is the actual implementation of AI. I mean, their, their Firefly uh, Im- image generation tool, uh, that, that really starts to start. It, when they get that fully launched, that's going to be a great tailwind. If you think about it, they got 20 million subscribers and a lot of data that's going to be pulled from there. Between 2020 and 2022, 165 million creators hit the creator economy. There's a lot, there's a big market for, for Adobe to address within that. Um, and, and Morgan Stanley, Keith Weiss noted, there is, they're on, Light on the numbers, but the vision is big. And I think that's what you got to take away here. The big, big, big vision. And last year, it broke below $600. It's battling at $600 right now. The longer it stays there, I think technical support kicks in, too. Comfortable with the 35 PE? Listen, I mean, a software company, it's going to be technically a big higher of a, of a, of a PE, but you're paying for, you know, you're, you're really paying for the, the vision, if you will. Well, we'll see if the vision comes to uh, fruition. All right, Mike Santoli, he's next with his midday word. We're back after this. Are you following the Halftime Report podcast? What are you waiting for? Look for us in your favorite podcasting app. Follow the Halftime Podcast now. We are back. Our senior markets commentator, Mike Santoli, is on the desk for his midday word. So, you know, we we had a huge meal in November. We'd yeah. gone through this digestion. We thought we were still full. And then somebody put a beautiful piece of AI cake in front of us today. Sure. And we decided we couldn't resist. 
For now, yeah, within a band, that's what that's what's going on. And there is always something idiosyncratic that usually has to get a mo- market moving again. Once we've been going sideways in this way for a while, I was saying earlier, 13 straight sessions, if today is included, uh, where we finished within half a percent of 45.50 in the S&P. And yet within it, you know, the average stocks may be doing a little bit better. Um, I don't know that it has to be an either or market. I know we got used to this idea that it's either a black or red. It's either a mega cap day or a Russell day. Um, they can go either direction from here. You can see the market kind of unsure if we have the horses at this level to, to really carry us ahead without, I mean, maybe just waiting for the jobs number tomorrow to be absolutely perfect in Goldilocks, like every other number this week has been to see where we go. It reminds me a little bit, I was looking back when we've gone uh, flat after a rally like this for a long period of time, and it really did happen in the spring after we got the huge lift off the SVB low and people thought the Fed was going to be very easy. It was almost two months of kind of chopping around before it did eventually resolve higher. Energy just can't get out of its own way. This no, no. Um, I mean, you know, people are saying that the, the seasonal negatives on crude maybe are peaking or behind us, and you're looking for reasons why the story should change. But uh, at least not right now. Yeah, look at that uh, chart right there. Time. Right, it was yeah. at, you know it had had re, I use rebound uh, lightly yeah. uh, because it was just at seventy bucks. Right, but it's an, another collapse as we've been on the air. There was a little hesitation yesterday, of course, because in theory the inventory numbers should have been more bullish for crude than it was. It was a bigger draw than expected. But look, the the, the price structure, the the futures curve is telling you it's an oversupplied market for now. I don't think anybody's overthinking it beyond that. As we discussed yesterday, it's I'm not convinced it's some kind of scary macro signal yet. Yeah, uh, it's been an everything rally except for related to energy and oil. I'll see you on on closing bell. That's Mike Santoli. Everything rally, including crypto. That's been breaking out. Burning some short sellers, too. Our Kate Rooney comes up next because she's following that money when we come back. Bitcoin's been on fire lately, as you know, soaring past 43,000. That's the highest level since early last year. There it is, 43.2. But that big breakout is burning some crypto short sellers. Our Kate Rooney's following that money for us. Kate? Hey, Scott. So it's been a tough time lately to bet against some of the crypto proxy stocks as Bitcoin has risen. You've got Coinbase and MicroStrategy in particular. Those have been some of the best performing tech names this year. They're both up roughly 300%. Since January, data from S3 Partners now showing that short sellers have lost more than $6 billion this year on crypto-related bets. More than half of those losses came from Coinbase shorts. Became more of a popular trade this fall. Short sellers increased exposure in September to what they thought was an overbought sector. According to S3, short sellers are down $2.7 billion just in the past few months on those crypto trades. Or in percentage terms, that's off about 148%. Part of this rally, likely a short squeeze. You've also got individual traders now chasing some of this momentum. According to Vanda Research, individual traders started rotating out of some of the big tech names into crypto and small caps, which there's a bit of an overlap there. Coinbase and MicroStrategy have benefited from these retail inflows, as well as some of the Bitcoin mining names, too. Vanda analysts point to that upcoming January 10th deadline for the SEC's potential approval of a Bitcoin ETF, causing a lot of this excitement, they say, being a very momentum-driven asset class with a clear catalyst on the near-term horizon. They say we wouldn't be surprised if we see retail traders continue to pump flows into the space over the coming weeks. Scott, back to you. Yeah, Kate, thank you. Do um, you have a thought on this? Because FOMO is, Kate said, anticipation of 
ETFs, and it's just been going in that way. If you think you missed this and you want to play catch up, one under the radar way to do it would be Robinhood. This is a stock that used to move tick by tick with crypto, and uh, there's been a disconnect. But if you think about the main driver of, of profitable activity on the Robinhood platform, it is crypto. So this is a heavily shorted stock. It's been out for the count. It's rebounded a little bit off its year low. That might be a way in the stock market if, if you wanted to. I don't want to. I'm not putting this trade on. Um, but it's just Why something not? that. What, what's the difference between liking, I, liking the potential of what Robinhood could do? Because what still I'm describing is. Because I'm more of a long term investor. What I'm describing is a short term phenomenon where this is a name that could run up into year end as everyone anticipates the first crypto ETF. The big winners of, of there being a first crypto ETF probably going to be Fidelity, uh, BlackRock. I don't really think there's a trade there. But. It's a legitimization of the asset class in the eyes of, of Wall Street. And I think it does bring investors back into playing in, in, in this space. And I think, look at like Coinbase has quadrupled this year. Robinhood has not. Coinbase, obviously, a much bigger player in crypto. But again, one of the big drivers of Robinhood activity is speculation. And this is speculation writ large. Mm-hmm. Um, so if it's coming back, they, they'll, they'll be back to trading on, on the Robinhood platform. Bryn, so. what are your thoughts about the space right now? Yeah, I mean, I think with we, if we get this ETF, obviously, to Josh's point, investors will say, if it's good enough for BlackRock, we want some of that. I think where you kind of have the FOMO and that greater fool's theory is, from what I understand, which could be wrong, there's about 16 to 17 million Bitcoin in cold storage. So that only leaves like five to six um, out there to trade. And so all of a sudden you have this scarcity of, and you have an ETF, which I don't really understand the math. If you only have five or six million Bitcoin and you have an ETF, how do you actually back that up? I get it on gold, but I think right now going into the year end and going into January, you're going to definitely FOMO is alive and well. And I will say, you know, this crypto community wins again. It's pretty incredible after what happened last year with FTX, Voyager, et cetera. How, you know, all the ones that stayed out of jail uh, get to get to win. That the the key was you had to not go to jail. And if and if you survive (laughs) that, you you get to win again. Yeah. Yeah. All right. we'll, We'll do final trades on the other side of this break. Hope you watch me closing bell today, three o'clock, because we got Tom Lee. Tom Lee. When you think of bulls, what do you think of, Josh Brown? Only Tom Lee. Only Tom Lee, right? He owns it. That's his lane. All right. Well, we'll see what he has to say about the year. Oh, Jimmy Labenthal, too. That's true, but Tom Lee's kind of in a class Uber Bull by himself, right? Uber Bull, yeah. You think of bears, who do you think of? Oh, uh, I don't know. I forget their names these days. Mike Wilson. Are they still out there? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, he's, he's, he's at one. All right. Well, I hope you'll join us at, at 3 o'clock on, on Closing Bell. Uh, Bryn, you have a final trade? Yeah. Um, JEPQ, it owns the keys and sells calls against it. So if you miss the run-up in these names and you think they're going to do well next year, JEPQ, if you think they're going to be flat, you have about an 11% covered call premium. And so you can earn some income while you're waiting. All right. By the way, we're going to run you up to Broadcom earnings, too. I, I want to let everybody know about that, um, which are going to be significant after the bell. What you got, final trade, Bill Baruch? 
AbV, if the S&P is going to set a new high without the MAG7, it's going to be names like this, financials and healthcare care uh, going to be driving it. Now, they're replacing the Humira pipeline uh, in the, within their pipeline, adding to things. And it's a hated name by mutual funds and hedge funds. Hedge funds are short this name. They're, they're, this thing could re that could really drive this to new highs in AbV. JB. Staying long AMD. I should probably sell, but I'm not. So th there we are. It's up 8% as we speak. I know. Highs of the day. All right, does it for us. I'll see you on Closing Bell. The exchange is now. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. All opinions expressed by the Halftime Report participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information the Halftime Report participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Halftime Report Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Halftime Report Disclaimer. We could try to explain what it feels like to get your work done on a John Deere. The way a Z-Track mower finishes in half the time you thought it would. Or how much easier it is to move mountains of soil with a 1-Series tractor. We could even go into detail about how it feels to tow up to 4,000 pounds behind a Gator XUV. But if you really want to know what it's like to run with us, you just have to get in the seat. Learn more at johndeere.com slash get in the seat or visit a dealer near you.